Welcome to the Life & Law Podcast. I'm Heather Mulder, former AmLaw 100 partner turned lawyer coach who, just five years into my legal career, found myself teetering on the edge of burnout. But I was determined not to become yet another lawyer burnout statistic. And so I redefined success on my own terms, enabling me to build a profitable legal practice while navigating the challenges of two kids and two bed rests, the 2008 financial crisis, and a battle with breast cancer. What I learned is that you can build a successful legal career without sacrificing your health or personal happiness. And I now help purpose-driven lawyers confidently retake control of their careers and create their next level of success and impact. Join me each week for practical, unfiltered advice on how to successfully navigate the challenging legal market and succeed in both law and life. This is the Life in Law Podcast. Hello, hello, everybody. Welcome to the Life in Law Podcast. This is your host, Heather Mulder. And today we are going to get into five mindset shifts that I want you to make now to be unstoppable this year. So we've been talking really for the last two months around goal setting, goal planning, uh, what you need to do to achieve your goals, the day-to-day tactics, and we've even gotten into my big lessons learned, which was a bit of mindset stuff in there. And if you missed last week's episode, I highly recommend you go back and listen to it before listening to this one, because the two episodes are actually quite complementary to one another. And actually, you may not need to listen in order, um, but I do recommend that you go back and listen to it because I think you're going to get a lot more out of today's episode if you hear last week's and vice versa. So today, we're getting into five mindset shifts, which, as you know, gets me really, really excited. I love talking about this stuff because a lot of the kind of coaching that I do is around mindset. And I want to cover a couple of things before we get into the shifts to make sure that we're clear about what we're talking about here. So what is mindset? We hear this word bantered about all the time. What do I really mean by it? Well, your mindset is the perspective you take on your life, the world, the rules that apply, other people, certain types of situations. It is kind of your perception, your overarching Um, perception based on your beliefs around the way that things work, okay? And when I say a shift uh, to make things more successful this year so that you can be, quote unquote, unstoppable, that shift is really a change in perspective, okay? So that you don't allow some common things that happens to all of us to get in your way, these internal roadblocks, if you will. And I have gotten into this quite a bit before, but especially last year towards the end of the year, I think it was right before Thanksgiving, I had an episode around your inner glass ceiling. Those are mental internal blocks. We often think that the things that stop us are the things we can't control external circumstances, other people. And yes, sometimes those things do get in our way and do prevent us from doing the things we want or fully achieving the things that we want. But oftentimes, what really stops us are the inner mentality, like the mindsets that we bring to the table that tell us, well, I can't even try or I can't do that that way. It's just not possible for me, those kinds of things, okay? And there are specific 
mindsets that I see a lot. Now, we often tend to talk about mindset as though it's one thing. And you're probably, you've probably heard me say this before, growth mindset, also known as the grit and growth mindset that's talked about a lot. A fail forward mindset, a success mindset, all of those usually mean pretty much the same thing. And that means learning from mistakes and failures, reframing unexpected pitfalls and problems into challenges to be solved, and seeing the benefit and the growth opportunity and the learning opportunity in it, and being thankful for the lessons learned, the challenges, the difficulties, because you do grow from them. That's what a growth-oriented or a grit and growth or a fail-forward or a success mindset is really all about. And we talk about it like it's one thing. But it's really not, um, at least not in real life. So you can have a pretty good growth-oriented mentality, generally speaking. Yet when certain things happen, it pushes you into, well, I can't. Oh, that's just not possible. Or, God, this is so unfair. Why me? Why did this have to happen? Obviously, thinking that way is not a growth-oriented mindset. And so I think situationally, there are times for all of us where we can't or it's not as easy, I guess is a better way to say it, to be growth-oriented, to be, you know, fail-forward mentality. And so I really want to get into kind of the five top things that I see getting in people's way that are just so easy to fall into that we don't even see them. We don't see them as mindset issues. We see them as truths when they're really not. And so we get in trouble because we don't even see that we can make a tweak to our inner mentality and that inner voice that's talking to us and maybe do things differently and get a better result. Now, a quick note, of course, this doesn't mean that you're not going to sometimes fail or make mistakes, that you won't need to course correct or even change plans entirely, okay? Learn as you go. Having this type of mindset means accepting that things will change, that circumstances will get in your way, right? And also accepts that you're going to change your overarching vision for your life, for your practice, for your career as you go. Might even mean changing a goal or strategy for achievement because you learn as you go and you're going to change the things you want as you go and you're going to enter different seasons to life as you go which then changes you your priorities and what you want and i've talked about this before so i will also link to that in the show notes as well final note before we get into uh, the the five mindset shifts i want you to make let's talk a moment about what i mean by being unstoppable it doesn't mean getting everything you want it means adopting that mentality as much as is humanly possible, that fail-forward, growth-oriented, success mindset, so that when things happen that are not expected, so that when challenges, you know, um, come your way, you are open to looking at them a little bit differently, to learning from them, to facing them head-on and trying to figure out a way around them so that you don't get stuck. And don't give up, okay? So what I'm talking about is really redefining success differently in this way. And again, we've talked about this before 
in a prior episode when I talked about how to redefine success from the inside out. So all of these links to these episodes, and I'm going to have a couple more that I'm going to reference as we go through these mindset shifts, I will have in the show notes. Okay, so let's get into the top five mindset shifts that I want you to make this year so that you can be unstoppable, meaning you can achieve more of the things that you want without getting overwhelmed, stressed out, and instead have a lot more fun and keep going and create that bigger picture vision that you want for your practice, for your career, for your life. So number one, I want you to shift away from being change averse and instead to embrace change. Now, this is a really hard one for the lawyers out there, especially. Most of you are lawyers, and we are trained to look out for and avoid risk, right? We protect our clients from risk. And I'll be honest, I don't think this just applies to how we think in what we do on a daily basis for our clients. I think it infuses us completely. It makes us more averse to taking risks ourselves, which then results in us being very change averse. Now, I talked about this a little bit before in an early podcast around how our lawyer-trained brain can sometimes sabotage us and create a lot more stress and overwhelm, and I'll link to that as well. The problem is it stunts your growth. And what I find interesting about this is a lot of law firms and lawyers like to say, we're entrepreneurial. We're always ready for change. (laughs) In my experience, that's just not true. We tend to mostly rebel against it. We We don't like change. We go kicking and screaming. It has to be forced upon us. And I think this pandemic has kind of shown us that because there have been warning signs in the marketplace for a long time that we needed to change the way we did business and the way we think and be more nimble and maybe allow people to work from home more often and then the pan- and we didn't do that generally speaking within the market and then the pandemic changed all of that and now law firms are changing their ways well some are trying not to but many are being forced to and so that's just one example i want you to start thinking differently about change so that you can embrace this, okay? First, please note that change happens, period. It's going to occur regardless of whether you like it or not, regardless of whether you try to ignore it, you try to plan around it, you try to not be a part of it. It happens. And it's a whole lot easier to go with the flow and feel at ease when you're open to change. It makes you more ready for it and capable of dealing with it in a more creative way, okay? And feeling okay with it. A lot of us lawyers really, really get uncomfortable when change is forced upon us. Well, this is how to let go of that and not feel such discomfort because you accept it and you know it's going to happen and you embrace that it's okay. Second, I want you to change how you even think of change. So we talked recently about changing how you perceive time, that your life is time. And if you didn't listen to that podcast, you need to go back and listen to it, okay? 
and how to see unexpected events as challenges to be solved as opposed to these horrible, unyielding roadblocks that are just, woe is me, how could this happen again? This is so unfair. Same thing here. I want you to accept that change is a natural order of the universe. And it really just introduces a new challenge that you're intended to solve, kind of like a puzzle. Now, why is this so important? Why do I want you to shift away from being so change-averse to embracing it? Because, again, change is. It is part of life. And it's going to make things a lot easier for you. It's going to allow you to let go of a lot of the internal stress that you create. There is a ripple effect to being so change-averse within you that then creates stress and overwhelm and just makes things much harder than they have to be. And when we do that, our mind shuts down and it's a lot harder for us to think creatively. And I hate to break it to you, but lawyers, you are creative people. I never thought of myself that way until I became a coach and started opening my mind to, oh my gosh, we are very creative, just in a different way. We may not be artists. We're not creative in that way. Some of us are. Some of us are not. (laughs) I'm not so much. But You are a creative thinker. You come up with interesting and solutions for your clients. Allow for more of that to happen by embracing and accepting change and not being so averse. Open yourself up to it. Listen more. And just allow it to be. Okay, so that was shift number one. Shift number two. I want you to shift away from a scarcity mindset into one of more abundance. Now, we talked a little bit about this already in last week's episode, that we attorneys often hold back on spending on things we need to spend money on, especially when it comes to our practices, which I find interesting, like new client development, um, on our own personal and professional development, like hiring a coach, A big one is on technology or another one on administrative folks that help us. So here's the thing, y'all, and I think I may have already mentioned this last week, but scared money won't make money. You must spend something to make more money. Now, caveat to that. Yes, there is such a thing as too much. You want to be strategic about how you spend. You do not want to be reckless. But here's the deal, y'all. You are smart, you are savvy, and I'd say one of the best things you can do is spending money on the right people, people who can help you administratively, technology-wise, marketing-wise, people who can be part of your team, who can get things done when you don't need to be doing them because your time is better spent elsewhere. So I talked about this in my Lessons Learned. That I realize, you know, I started this business. I'm a one-stop shop. I do it all right now. But I know this year that I need to expand my business. And in order to make that work, I'm going to be hiring more people to help. Now, it made sense when I started and was just learning to do some of this on my own so that I could understand it, uh, so that I could hire the right people, right? But it no longer makes sense for me to be doing a lot of these things. And so it is time for me to offload. Well, there are areas you need to offload in too. And the problem I see is this money scarcity mindset is so prevalent in lawyers. 
We don't like spending money on our business, on our practice. We have to see immediately, well, what is going to be the return of my investment? And the problem is, and that's a good thing, we want a return of investment, okay? You don't want to just go recklessly spending a bunch of money if it's not going to bring something back. But we often look at the ROI only from a dollar, immediate dollar perspective, when that's just not realistic, number one, nor is it right. Like, spending money saves you money sometimes because it saves you time, because it saves you energy. And at the end of the day, you can make more money by having more time and energy to focus on the things that you're really good at. So I want you to think about that and really identify the areas where you've allowed this money scarcity mindset to kind of creep in and where you can broaden it and go, okay, let's be realistic. And I actually recommend you just sit down and like pros and cons. You know, I know I need more help in these areas. Here are the things I could do. Here are the pros and cons, you know. And the con would be the monetary investment. And the pro would be the monetary ROI over the next year or two. But it would also be the time, the energy, the peace of mind. And then think about the ripple effect of that because there is actually a monetary ROI in that. And what I see is people don't go deep enough so that they can really look at, okay, what makes sense for me here? You need to get away from that complete scarcity taking over because it's holding you back in your practice. And last week, I talked a little bit about the time thing. Time scarcity is another one. And since I have talked about it already, I wasn't going to address it here, but I do just want to mention that we did talk about it. So go back and listen and make sure that you're not also in a time scarcity, okay? Because scarcity comes up in many ways. And money scarcity and time scarcity are probably the two biggest ones that I see a lot in my clients. Also, if you are a partner shareholder or of counsel who is ready to grow your business and you're ready to invest in that, ready to get away from the scarcity mindset and into one of abundance, then stick around to the end. I'll be sharing a solution with you. Okay, so that was number two. Let's go into the third shift that I want you to really make this year to make you unstoppable. That is to shift away from perfectionism to good enough. We've kind of talked about this before, but it shows up in so many ways that I think people don't realize where it shows up. So listen to these different ways where, you know, different areas where I see this showing up all the time and try to like identify, okay, yeah, that's me, Heather. I need to work on this. Overplanning, trying to cover every base possible. There is a point where you need to stop, you know. <laughs> you can only plan so much. I think perfectionism and overplanning ends up leading to procrastination. And so if you are a procrastinator and you feel like you're overplanning and it's leading to procrastination, then this is probably at least partly you. Perfectionism is probably an issue. We talked about this a little bit early on in the podcast when I talked about um you know, some things that lead to procrastination and how to deal with them. So I will link to that in the show notes as well. Thinking you have to do it all is another one. I have to do, I have to be the one to do all of this. Nobody else can do this. Nobody else can do this as good. So that it has to be me. Mm. Ask us that's really true. 
Okay, number one. Do you really have to be the one to do it all? And does it really matter if other people can't do it the same way as you? And is not the same as you really mean not as good? Because a lot of times, that's not really true. (laughs) Okay? And... Think about also perfect isn't required most of the, really any time. Good enough is what your clients really need. Now, there are different levels of good enough based on clients. Let me just put that out there. I had a client recently where we worked on this very issue. And he told me, I have this smaller client and I'm always trying to make sure everything's perfect and everything's wonderful. And then I have this other bigger client because that's what they require of me. I need the details almost perfect for them because they look at that and they notice it. But the smaller client doesn't really. And when we talked about it, it became clear that there really were two good enough standards based on client. Now, let me be clear. It was still great work for both of them. But one was paying a lot more and demanding certain things be checked off. The other client was much smaller and they had different business goals. And they had a different budget, honestly. And they were very honest about, look, I just need what's legally right and what's good enough to get me to the next stage. One day, maybe I'll require that higher standard. But right now, I could care less. I want what works. What will get me the result I want? And so you really do need to think about that when you're doing work for clients, okay? You want to shift away from being perfect to good enough. What is truly, really, truly good enough for this client. We often apply the same standard for every client and that holds us back and that takes a lot of time. And by the way, if you're one of those people that ends up with a lot of write-offs for particular clients, that's a sign that perhaps the good enough for them is a different standard and you need to reevaluate, okay? Here's another place this shows up. Needing to get the right, the perfect answer out immediately. That's just not possible, okay? Now, if it's an easy answer that you know at the top of your head, sure. But when clients come to you and they need something that requires deep thought, requires you to actually look into things, requires you to talk to other people, you need to be honest with them about that because you can't rush it, right? And so when you think, well, I have to get the exact right answer and I I have to do it immediately, that actually hurts you and you might actually – you're not ending up being perfect because you can't and you might not even be good enough. And so I want you to really question that and push back. A lot of times people give us deadlines that aren't realistic and we we bend over backwards to go there and meet that and we kill ourselves and you shouldn't have to kill yourself. Now, look, if it's a true emergency that does have to get done, that is a priority that only you can do, fine. But I got to say, that's pretty rare, okay? It is okay to push back and say, look, I need time to think about this. You need a good answer. You need the right answer. And this is going to take some thought. This is going to take some research. This is going to take some discussion. Do not be afraid. They come to you for that. Do not be afraid to say those things. Now, they can still push back and say, I'm sorry, I understand, but we still need it by then. But oftentimes, they're not going to say that. And they're going to respect it. They're going to respect you for being honest with them. Another area where this shows up is being available all the time. I once worked opposite someone who basically 
offered up to me in the first call I had with him. He was opposing counsel on a deal that needed to close by year end, and it was probably mid-November at this time. So it was a pretty short time frame because it was just getting started. And he said, and I quote, if you need me, you can call me at any time. Don't care if it's over the holiday. Don't care if it's in the middle of the night. You can wake me up. Just I'm always available. And I just remember laughing and thinking, yeah, right, dude. I'm, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> Nobody needs to be available all the time. The end of the world is not going to happen if you make yourself unavailable over the weekend occasionally or at certain times at night or during the holidays. Okay? All of these things end up leading to burnout. They lead to no self-care. They also lead to imposter syndrome. Perfectionism like this leads to imposter syndrome because you cannot meet the standard that you've set for yourself. And I've talked about these in several other episodes. It seems like today's episode is going to have a bajillion links. Um, so just pick the ones that are like, okay, yeah, this is what I most, the one or two that you most need to work on. <laughs> and then once you do that, then maybe come back because – there's a lot. Okay, so just remember when it comes to this mindset shift that your clients have hired you, a human being, and they know that. They do not require you to be a robot. Keep that in mind. Stop putting standards upon yourself that are not expected of you by others because the thing is, is when you start putting yourself up to that standard, then it's really hard to break because you create a habit and they think you can meet it. Not to say you, you shouldn't break it. If you already have that habit, you should. You might need to call a coach like me or somebody else to help you with how to do that in a gracious uh, way that works. It's not worth it. And if that's you, you need to start working around it. Stop working to perfectionist standards. Now, note that this means getting help, okay? It means allowing others to do work and not do it your way every time. Delegating work to others. It means reaching out to people to help you develop yourself. I'm actually quite amazed at the number of lawyers who reach out to me and after telling me, that things have got to change, they're so ready, they need a coach immediately. And then when we get to the end, they say something like, well, but you know, I really should be able to do this on my own. I'm embarrassed to even admit this to my husband or my colleagues that they're hiring me or thinking of hiring me. Seriously? Get over yourself. <laughs> I'm sorry, but here's the deal. You are a human being. You need help from time to time. We all need help, okay? I have already divulged in a prior episode that I recently hired an online business coach so that I can expand my business online. And if I can admit that to you here on this podcast, then certainly you can admit that you're not perfect and are open to being helped, whether it's through delegating work, whether it's through going to a mentor, whether it's through hiring a coach, okay? You know deep down if you could use it. Don't let your ego get in the way of getting the help you need. I got to say, the one of the things that breaks my heart most is when a new client says to me, Heather, I thought about hiring you six months, a year ago, and I so wish I'd done it and not waited. And this is not just applicable to me. 
whether it's getting relationship help, whether it's getting help from a mentor who's really good at something you want to learn from, whether it's asking for help from a peer, delegating, whatever it is, do not stop yourself from getting whatever it is you need. I like to think of it this way to help you with this shift. We each have our own unique set of strengths and skills. Every human is different. You have your own unique set of strengths, your own unique set of talents and skills, and so does everyone else. And human beings are built to connect. We crave connection. It is a human need. The best way to connect with other humans is to help them by using your strengths and also to receive the help of others to allow them to use their gifts, strengths, talents for your benefit. You do this every day for others. It's time for you to open yourself up to allowing the help you need. And here's the interesting thing. When you start accepting this and and viewing this in this way and really start making this mental shift away from perfectionism and into good enough and into opening yourself up to getting help, whatever it may be, you're going to learn that it makes you not just feel better because it opens your energy levels, it creates more time for you to do the things you truly are good at, that then increases your confidence levels. It's amazing how that works. All right. I feel like I've been on a bit of a soapbox here, but it's so important, y'all. Let's move on to shift number four. I want you to shift away from outcome-based achievements and really start focusing on making values-based decisions. So we've talked about this before, right? where we talked about how to redefine success from the inside out, but it definitely bears mentioning again here. Stop focusing only on your achievements when it comes to measuring your success. You need to be looking at your input. And frankly, you need to be primarily looking at your input. There's something funny here when you start focusing on your input. And when I say input, I mean specifically how you align your choices, your decisions, your actions, the inaction you take, right? To your values, to the things that are truly your priorities. When you align to those and you start basing your decisions on that, you're able then to open yourself up to doing things in a way that feels more easy. You feel more content with yourself. You have better energy. You create more time for yourself in the sense that you kind of start letting go of other things, the things that aren't that important. It's more clear to you. And so your whole like definition of success turns upside down. And you're able to fully show up as you happier, more fulfilled, feeling good, being more confident, that brings better results, y'all. And it's so much more enjoyable. So one of my values is to have fun. And by having fun, I don't mean, you know, ha-ha, rah-rah, always got to be laughing. I mean finding kind of the little joy in everyday living. I mean, you know, gratitude is a big, big practice for me for that reason. Because it helps me to really open my mind every day to all the little things that add up that make life more enjoyable. Also, reframing is a big one for me. 
I've talked about reframing before where you look at things that are challenges, you look at difficulties, you look at, you know, when the client calls and moves the deadline up and you feel like, oh my God, this is going to be so hard. How am I going to do this? Well, it's still going to be so hard and you're still going to have to push yourself. That part doesn't change. But you reframe it to, okay, this is going to challenge me, but it's also going to help me help my team more. I'm going to learn some leadership qualities here. I'm going to get better at delegating. I'm going to get better of letting go of the things that don't matter. I'm going to get better at accepting good enough because I can't be a perfectionist when I have this time deadline, right? So you reframe those things. It allows me then to really shift into, okay, what is the outcome that I ultimately want? Yeah, I want to achieve things. I have goals. There are dollar number, you know, dollar signs next to those goals. But instead of, I measure them that way towards the end of the year. But I also measure them based on, am I making the best decision for me, for my clients, for my family, that allow me to align to my values and make my life more fun and make my kids' life more fun and make my husband's life more fun and make my client's life more fun? Am I making the right decisions for that? So that I can then show up as my best self, which then makes me more attractive to the right people, which then helps increase the bottom line. See how that works? It brings better results. Shift away from only looking at your outcome and start primarily focusing on making values-based decisions that align with who you are, how you want to show up in the world, and what you ultimately want for your big picture vision of your life your practice, your career, etc. Okay, that was number four. Let's get to number five. And this one is huge. And I don't think I've ever talked about this before. Stop thinking, well, I'm only trained to be a lawyer. There is this really weird thing that happens to most lawyers. I think because of our training. We are trained to think like a lawyer. We go to law school for that training. And we are convinced that it is this special kind of thinking, right? And it kind of is. We need to think a certain way to really provide the best services to our clients. But we get so wrapped up in that training that then we think, well, that's all we're supposed to do. I'm here to practice law, which means counsel my clients on risk avoidance, research, figure out how to get out of a legal jam, etc. But y'all, that is not all there is to practicing law. Whether you are in-house or in private practice, you also need to be a really good communicator. You need to listen well. You need to be a salesman, a marketer. Yes, even in-house because you're always trying to sell something to someone internally. We all sell every day. Heck, we sell in our personal lives every day. And if you are in private practice, then you must sell and market your business at some point. Unless you just want to be a service lawyer for the rest of your life, which I frankly don't recommend because there's not a lot of control in that. You have a lot more control if you learn how to sell and market yourself and build your own book of business. Plus, you're seen as a leader. The world puts lawyers up in these leadership positions. They just automatically see us this way. So don't you want to be an effective one? And to be an effective leader requires all of those other soft skills. It requires real emotional intelligence, which I do have plans, hopefully, to get to in the next couple of months. We haven't really covered that yet. The problem I see 
is a lot of lawyers really rebel against all of this. We incorrectly think, I'm not trained for that, so I can't, or I shouldn't. Or it takes too long to learn. It's too much of an investment. Sorry, it's necessary. And newsflash, you're smart, you're savvy, you got yourself through law school, which was not easy. Trust me, you can learn all of these things. They are developable skills. It's figureoutable. And for my private practice lawyers out there, regardless of whether you're a solo, you're in a small, you're in a mid-sized firm, or you're in big law, doesn't matter. Being a private practice lawyer means that you are ultimately an entrepreneur, a business owner. Your book of business is your own business, okay? Yes, you're part of a bigger firm, but I want you to start seeing yourself as an entrepreneur. And if someone who never went to college can start a successful business, and there are plenty of examples of that having happened, right? Then you sure as hell can be successful as a business owner, as an entrepreneur yourself, period. And if you're in-house, you're not off the hook either. You're a leader. You're a salesman. You're a marketer to the business side. Own this reality, y'all, and know that you are capable of learning and developing these skills. To wrap up the mindset shift message, here's the thing. We all have one or more of these mental blocks going on inside of us. It is part of being human. What's most important is to really think about, okay, what's showing up for you? What's getting in my way the most? And to be honest with yourself about it so that you can open yourself to making the mental shifts that we talked about today and do what's necessary to overcome them. Identify what they are, accept them, be honest about them, and then figure out, okay, what do I need to do? Maybe it's just working on it yourself. Maybe it's talking with a good friend or your spouse. Maybe it's hiring a coach. I don't know. There are a lot of different ways to deal with these. Identify what that is and move forward. These shifts, making these shifts, will help make you more unstoppable this year so that you can create the career of the practice, the life that you truly want so that you can make that vision that you've had in that back of your mind a reality. And so that leads me into one last note about my mastermind, Elevate. If you are a partner, shareholder, or of counsel in private practice with big business building goals for the year and you're ready to overcome these mindset blocks, I invite you to check out Elevate. Maybe you want to get over the million dollar mark this year or go beyond that. Or maybe you've recently made partner and you realize that it's time for you to start building your own book of business. Or perhaps you've come to realize that you need to pivot your practice. Or maybe you've recently left a firm to start your own. If you're ready to go all in on yourself and your practice this year, then I invite you to check out Elevate. I am currently accepting applications. Yes, there is an application process because we need to ensure that this will truly be a good fit for you and the group. And here's the deal. This application process is limited. It's going to be closing soon. So if this is something that has piqued your interest at all, then go ahead and fill it out. It doesn't obligate you to anything. And I invite you to come in, be open, and I will at least give you a couple of tips and strategies that you can leave with regardless of what you decide, okay? 
Past client results include increasing revenues by one, even 200,000 in less than a year, starting a new side business, pivoting into a new practice area entirely, building to over the 1 million mark in originations. You can get these results too. And there's no better way than with a group of peers there to support and cheer you on and help you quickly problem solve and brainstorm so that you can get there faster. One final note. Something that I know that is going on right now with a lot of attorneys. The pandemic has really thrown everything upside down. And you couple that with the associate salary raises, which are crazy in my mind. And I know that work has increased, health has decreased. And there's a lot of attorneys out there who would like a different practice, who would like a practice of their own. Maybe you're doing more work than you would like for other people. And you would like, or maybe you would like to change who you work for. You don't love your clients or the industry you're in or the type of work you're doing within your industry. This is for you too, okay? I know that it's hard to commit to something from a time perspective, but it is so worth it. And I will tell you, if you continue to focus on the short-term stuff, you're going to do that at the expense of the long-term viability of your practice. The other thing is, if you actually start to grow the business you want, you're more likely to be successful and make more money at it without working as much and while working with the right people so that not only can you grow your revenues, but then you can grow your team to help you. So anyway, if you are interested, see the link to Elevate and how to apply in the show notes. That is it for today, folks. We will be talking next week. Bye for now. Thank you for listening to the Life & Law Podcast. If you enjoyed this week's episode and aren't yet a follower or subscriber, be sure to hit the follow or subscribe button so that you don't miss an episode. For show notes and free resources to help you succeed in both Life & Law, including the Life & Law Roadmap, visit lifeandlawpodcast.com.